This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intricasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss oral health of older Americans and related federal insurance coverage. With me to discuss the topic is the Chief Economist and Vice President of the Health Policy Institute at the American Dental Association, Dr. Marco Fugisic. Welcome, Marco. Thank you, David. On background, the oral or dental health of American seniors is, in a word, poor. Poor oral health leads to an inability to eat a healthy diet, can lead to bodily infections, and can increase the risk of coronary heart disease and other serious health problems. While the CDC recommends annual oral dental health visits for seniors, particularly because of underlying chronic conditions and the oral health effects of medications, only 15% of Americans 65 years or older had a dental visit in 2013. Nearly 25% of older adults have not seen a dentist in five years. One in four seniors no longer have any of their natural teeth. Approximately seven in 10 older Americans do not have any dental insurance, in part because only 9% of older adults retire with dental health benefits. Medicare does not cover routine oral dental health care, and it's estimated that Medicare actually covers less than 1% of seniors' dental health services. Lastly, concerning Medicare reform efforts, most ACOs, accountable care organizations, do not include dental health services, and among the CMSs, over 50 demonstrations to improve Medicare delivery and payment, none address oral health for Medicare bennies. With me again to discuss seniors' oral health is Dr. Marco Fugisic. With that, Marco, uh, let me start by asking you, what's your assessment of oral dental health among seniors or Medicare beneficiaries? Well, a big part of what we do at the Health Policy Institute, David, is we try to assemble the, the most reliable and most credible information on various aspects of the oral health care system, including oral health status, the level of unmet needs, insurance coverage, dental care utilization, the things you mentioned. So the, the good thing is we have some what I think are pretty informative data on what's happening within the 65 and older population. And let me just give you what I think are, are, are a couple of important um, statistics. So if you look at the most recent um, NHANES data, uh, which covers uh, oral health outcomes, uh, the most recent data find that one out of five uh, older Americans, 65 and older, uh, have an unmet dental need in the form of untreated caries. That's one out of five which is a pretty high level. Um, and th this, unfortunately, has, has been stable for several years. Uh, we're not seeing big declines, which is what we would like to see. So certainly there are unmet dental care needs and oral health needs among older Americans. Another different way of looking at this is in the Health Policy Institute, we're soon going to come out with a pretty comprehensive analysis that looks state by state on maybe some of the more, let's say, lifestyle impacts of poor oral health. So 
So you mentioned things like difficulty eating and and chewing and and speaking even for many. Um, so we're we're getting some really good data on these types of outcomes in terms of how does oral affect the quality of your life. And I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser there. Uh, we found that 17, 17% of older Americans report that their life in general is less satisfying because of the oral health issues they're dealing with. So in a nutshell, definitely this is a population um, that does have what I would say is too high of a level of unmet need. Um, and unfortunately, we haven't seen such big progress the last few years, according to the most reliable government surveys. Okay, thank you. Let me ask next, what's your explanation of why the Medicare program uh, still does not cover oral health care? So I, I come from a a broader health policy career. I'm still fairly new to, to dentistry and, you know, being a dental consumer for most of my life, more than I've been a kind of dental health policy expert, um, I've asked that question myself a lot. And kind of looking at some of the history and the literature and talking to some of the, the leaders who know much more about this than me, um, you know, I think a lot of this the seeds of this is when the Medicare program was launched and developed. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, dental care was not part of that basket of essential health services that were covered under the program. Now, to be very frank, I think a lot of this has to do with inertia the last 40, 50 years now. Um, and, and to some degree, um, I think a lack of innovation and people showing alternatives. Um, with that said, I do want to highlight some important findings when it comes to utilization and financial barriers. Because the thing I ask myself a lot is, what are the implications of not having dental care covered under Medicare? And I think it's important before we go further to kind of understand what are some of the issues seniors are facing. Now, we've talked about the unmet need. I now want to move into coverage and utilization and some important things we're finding. So according to the most recent uh, data we look at, which is the Medical Expenditure Panel Survey, uh, 62% of seniors have no form of dental benefits coverage. 62%. So that's almost two out of three are basically kind of on their own in terms of paying out of pocket or they're not using dental care, but they do not have either private or publicly provided dental coverage. Now that compares to 33% of working age adults, mm -hmm. the one out of three, and only 12% of U.S. children. So I think it's important, you know, these statistics demonstrate convincingly that you know, one of the implications of not having a dental benefit within Medicare is that you do have a lot more seniors that have no form of dental coverage. Again, 62% of them compared to 33% of working age adults and 12% of children. So we definitely in the U.S., in the policy world, are treating dental benefits for seniors differently than for adults than for children. Right? Uh, so, so that's important to, to kind of highlight. The other thing I feel is important to highlight 
is the implications this is having on access. So when we look at the data, we see convincingly that the number one reason why seniors avoid dental care they need is cost. Mm -hmm. That comes through loud and clear, both in the um, CMS data and as well as in these new data that we've collected through is from over 15,000 uh, individuals all across the U.S. We have a very large representative sample. And we asked people, um, why don't you visit the dentist more regularly? And the number one reason is, uh, this is across all age groups, the number one reason is cost. Now, it's also interesting to compare dental care to other healthcare services. And when you look at we use the National Health Interview Survey for this question. It reports the percent of people who avoid a certain health care service they need due to financial reasons. And we see dental care is number one. Mm -hmm. So if I were to compare the financial barriers to dental care, primary care, medical care, hospital care, pharmaceutical, prescription drugs, eye care, and mental health services, I see dental care ranks number one in terms of its financial barriers to care, a uh, financial barrier. So we, we definitely are seeing a landscape where it is more, uh, it's more challenging to access dental care financially than other types of medical services. So I think it's important to have that debate that you're raising um, about, you know, do we need to do something here? And then on the, on the utilization side, it's kind of crystal clear that kind of having coverage matters. So um, I know you were citing some dental care utilization uh, data. Um, let me summarize because we update these data every year from what, what we feel is the most reliable nationally representative source, which is the Medical Expenditure Panel Survey. And according to those data, 42% of Americans 65 and older uh, had a dental visit within the past year. Now, that varies dramatically by whether or not you have supplemental private dental benefits. So if we look at seniors that are only on Medicare, I think that's the, the, the statistic you were citing, mm -hmm. only 15% visit a dentist. Mm -hmm. If you look at those that have supplemental private dental benefits coverage, it's 69%. And again, I told you at the beginning that 62% of seniors have no dental benefits, right? They're okay. kind of Medicare only, so they're very low utilizers. So we, we definitely have this issue of kind of, you know, we have unmet needs. That's what we started out with, right? We know that coverage for seniors is very different than it is for working age adults and for children. And the implications are these very different utilization patterns, i.e. seniors are less likely to go to the dentist, uh, particularly if they're covered by Medicare only. So I think it's important to just have a good grounding in, in some of these data and facts um, because it, it kind of helps shape where we may need to go. Well, let's go to uh, that point where we need to go. So since the demand certainly far exceeds uh, the supply in a sense, let me ask you this. What still explains the fact that the Medicare program is, it appears, um, not addressing this? And, of course, cost issues are always in play 
But what's your sense relative to uh, where the Medicare program might go or should go or what opportunities are there within Medicare uh, to provide uh, better oral health coverage? Yeah. So I think I think on this, you know, you certainly have, um, you know, like Senator Sanders and others that, that have proposed um, including a dental benefit within Medicare uh, as a solution that kind of addresses some of these challenges we're facing. I, I don't, again, I'm a data and evidence guy, so I, I, I haven't, I don't have kind of a strong view yet on this, uh, and here's why. Um, first of all, we know that even among those that have private dental benefits coverage, they still report cost as a significant issue in accessing dental care. Now, one might ask, how can that be? How do we have people who have insurance, yet they're reporting significant financial barriers? And the answer there, David, is that dental insurance is very unlike uh, health care insurance in general. And in fact, it's, it's totally flipped, and it's important to understand that. It has typically a defined annual maximum benefit with significant cost sharing for usually anything other than preventive services. Um, and because of that design, it does not effectively pool risk. So whereas medical insurance is designed to kind of have skin in the game up front and then protect beneficiaries from catastrophic costs, dental coverage is the opposite. After a certain amount of dollars, you're kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. So when I see statistics showing that among adults with private dental insurance, the top reason they don't access dental care is cost, that tells me we potentially have a broken model for private dental insurance. And so that, you know, I hesitate to say, oh, let's go big bang and, and kind of expand the status quo to this new population, the 65 pluses. I think we need to fundamentally re-examine how dental benefits are organized before we do some type of big bang expansion. You know, that that's just that's just my view. I think we need more thinking there. Well, let's 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 discuss that further then. So in some policies that we do have covering oral health as you suggest or argue are let's just say limited if not inadequate. So the follow-up question of course is what can we do to improve uh, these coverage designs or these uh, coverage plans? So there, there's some interesting innovations happening uh, in a couple places. So big picture, I think what you need to do is you need to incentivize and pay for the stuff that we know, uh, pay for the prevention, and reward and pay for oral health. So. A lot of the dental plans out there are very prescriptive in terms of what procedures are covered and under what circumstances. It's not really allowing patients and providers to do what is clinically necessary to obtain oral health. Right? So a whole revolution, as you know, happening in healthcare is mm -hmm. trying to reward outcomes and trying to design models that pay for health attainment rather than for all the services you do. And there are a few folks um, that, that are slowly doing this. Um, you know, a lot of the state Medicaid programs, and this is more for children, are starting to nudge that way. Um, there is a, there's an interesting um, 
uh, I think, innovation on the market tied to technology. There is a, there's a company out there called Beam uh, that's recently launched. Um, they have a smart toothbrush that records, it records data. In a sense, it, it allows people to monitor their preventive wellness behavior. And that behavior is actually tied back to the dental plan. So it's kind of like the, the better you brush and the more you adhere to the prevention protocols, you know, you get some incentives in terms of lower premiums or enhanced benefits. So I, I think those are small nudges that are moving towards let's maybe stop just paying for service X but not service Y and then service Z towards let's design a policy that actually lets the providers do what's needed to improve oral health. Now, I don't expect that overnight. I think that is a big innovation. I think it requires, you know, massive amounts of, of you know, change in culture. It requires a lot of data, et cetera. But I want to return to, to why maybe we're not seeing as much interest, specifically in the Medicare program with, let's say, big picture Place, expanding yes. a benefit. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned it. I definitely do feel the fiscal implications, um, right or wrong, are front and center in the debate. I think generally there's, I would say, big picture, little appetite to add benefits into the Medicare program unless they're fiscally neutral. Uh, that's just kind of my take from the, the thought leaders I kind of interact with. With that said, you mentioned something in the beginning of, of the program that I think is very important for listeners to understand is there are many times where investments in oral health have a fiscal payoff outside of the mouth. And let me just highlight one example. We just published a paper in Health Economics. It's one of the, the top health uh, economics journals where we looked at newly diagnosed diabetics. And we looked at those that had periodontal treatment, which is a type of dental care uh, to make your gums healthy, and those that did not. And we were able to show that the medical care costs are lower among those newly diagnosed diabetics who actually had dental care treatment. So I think this is important. This is demonstrating that if you invest on the dental care side, you actually have some fiscal savings on the medical care side. So I feel, you know, my sense is that we need more of that type of research and evidence to say, well, maybe this isn't just kind of a cost. Maybe there are actual fiscal benefits um, to, to investments in oral health that accrue, um, you know, outside of the outside of the mouth. Um, but definitely, I do feel the fiscal situation um, is going to be an important uh, potential constraint. And as I mentioned, I do feel we need to rethink how coverage is fundamentally designed so that it can actually enable purchasing of investments to drive oral health versus this kind of status quo models where there's a limited benefit and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of designed in a way that I think is somewhat arcane. Well, per your last point, Marco, there is the sort of general view that quality can be, uh, or quality performance can be cost neutral, as you suggested with uh, your health economics um, finding. So with that, sadly, Marco, we're at our time boundary. So let me thank you for this brief discussion of a very important aspect of healthcare, oral health. And again, uh, thank you for your comments. My pleasure. Thank you. 
You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.